0: Uh, Let's prepare our hearts to hear God's word this morning. Uh, Please pray with me. Sovereign God, we confess that your word is living and active. And it is our humble prayer this morning that your word might be living and active in each of our hearts today. Please speak to us, O God, And may your spirit work and stir within us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. The scripture passage this morning is from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. Luke 10, 1 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome to eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, a lot has happened to me since I preached here last on the morning of January 8th. Uh, If you were here, of course, the title of the sermon will be ringing in your heads right now, right? It was uh, God Guiding and Using Me in 2023. Uh, I made the point that in the daily routine of life, we should be asking the question, how does God want to use me today? And I also made the point that every year, there is the unexpected. Be aware of the surprise. And when you find yourself in the unexpected, you should ask, how does God want to guide and use me? Uh, little did I know, I was preaching that message directly to myself. On February 26th, this uh, gentleman approached me. I was at uh, Wheaton CRC. I was teaching in the Sunday school class that day. And he uh, said, I'd like uh, for you to pray about this ministry opportunity. And uh, I'll just have to say, long story short, my life has not been the same since Uh, So many pieces have come together, and uh, uh, my wife and I just know with confidence that this this is the next step. Because of this, I've been thinking a lot about mission. And one of the advantages of being asked to preach now and again is I can just write a message on something that's been stirring within my heart, something that God has pressed upon me. And so today's message about about mission, about mission in the ordinary and also mission in the extraordinary. Uh, In Luke chapter 10, we see that Jesus' followers are people on a mission. That is a theme of God's Word for us today. Jesus' followers are people on a mission. Now, at the outset, it's important to note that as we come to God's Word and as we we think about translating God's Word, uh, this does not mean that everything that we read we should imitate. Uh, The bigger word is that the stories are not necessarily normative for our lives. So, uh, for instance, the point of this message is not you all should go out two by two in the western suburbs and uh, as you talk about Jesus, take no money with you and stay in strangers' homes. That's not the point. The point isn't you're not a good disciple if you haven't cast out demons. However... Is there something deep and profound that we can learn as we go to God's Word and think about how Jesus is calling each one of us to be a faithful disciple? And yes, there is much to learn. You know, I am never going to tell my students, obviously, I'm not gonna tell them, you're not gonna be a good Christian unless you leave this country to serve the Lord. However, as they hear about my own journey of faith and how it happens to be that my wife and I will be leaving the country serving the Lord, do I hope with all of my heart that my students will take note of this and say, I wonder what journey God has for me, and I wonder how I can be a faithful disciple of Jesus on the journey that he has called me to. Yes and amen, this is my desire. And so this morning, uh, we look at this message that that is to all of us, Jesus' followers are people on a mission. First, the call of the mission. The call of the mission. Now, in context here, uh, Jesus is transitioning out of this popular time of preaching uh, in Galilee, where thousands were gathering, where the miracles were creating a stir, and now Jesus is transitioning with his eyes toward Jerusalem. So in the context of this passage, uh, we read about the transfiguration, where Jesus meets with Elijah and Moses. Uh, we read about Jesus predicting his death, about Jesus resolutely setting out to Jerusalem uh, about the Samaritan opposition, and then Jesus speaks about the cost of following Jesus, that it requires sacrifice. And then we come to this passage in Luke chapter 10. Um, It begins with Jesus appointing 72 people. Now, Jesus appointed his 12 disciples, of course, and uh, you could say that the 12 is reflecting the 12 tribes of Israel. One might ask, why 72? And uh, just something that's kind of interesting Bible-wise that I learned. I, like, I don't know, I just kind of like to share things I learned about the Bible with other people. And uh, so if you uh, are following along in the paper Bible, you'll see a little footnote after 72. 72. And if you look at the bottom there, it will say some manuscripts say 70. So 70, 72. Why is that important? Because in Genesis chapter 10, there is a list of the table of nations, and there's a list of 70 nations. So while Jesus is not explicitly saying this, some think that by the sending out of the 70 or the 72, Jesus is, is suddenly communicating that the gospel is not just for the 12 tribes, but the gospel is for the world. That there is now the inclusion of, of Gentiles, not just Jews, in the proclamation of Jesus Christ. So, kind of a little interesting tidbit. As we go along, so we come to verses two and three, which I will call the 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 I will say is the call of the mission. He told them, "The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into the harvest field." Now, when you think of harvest, before harvest comes waiting, comes waiting, and. Uh, as I was going over the sermon, I was in my dining room looking out my back window, and uh, I just have to say that if you came to my house, the backyard is, is just peak season for the flowers on the trees. Uh, every day when I come home from school, I just stand there, and I'm like, oh, this is so beautiful, it's so cool. Here's the thing. I have been stinking waiting all winter long for this. I look out, bear, 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 and finally, finally, the trees are in bloom, and it is beautiful. Now in our text here, the, the image, the metaphor is farming. And when you think about farming, you think about waiting. You know, you have your, your fruit trees planted, You have your grain planted in Israel, and what do the farmers do? What do the farmers in Illinois do? They plant and they wait. They wait days, they wait months, and then finally, finally, it is harvest time. And when it's harvest time, what does that mean? It means the work is is ready. The work, there's a lot of work to do, and it is urgent. You need to get going. And so Jesus is saying something about his kingdom. The Old Testament prophets were longing for the day for the Messiah, not exactly knowing how that would be. And even in our, our text here today, not actually not our text, after our text, verse 24 of Luke 10, for I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, So there is this whole longing in the Old Testament for for something that is coming, God's new work. And then you have 400 years of waiting between Malachi and Matthew where people are longing for the Messiah. Now Jesus has come. Now the harvest is plentiful for the Messiah has come. The good news of Jesus is to ring out in that area and around the world. And Jesus says, now you need to go and harvest because there are people waiting to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And it says, ask the Lord of the harvest. It says, pray. It says, pray. And uh, I thought, you know what? It would be appropriate right now just to pause in this message and to pray. I need it for my own heart. You need it. What do we need? We need greater vision to see the harvest and a greater burden to be workers of the harvest. So let's, let's pause for a moment and pray. Lord God Almighty, we are so thankful that we are living in the days where Jesus has come, and the work of Jesus spreads across the world. Please give us eyes to see the harvest, and please give our hearts a greater burden so that we might be led by you to do your work, O oh God, your work in harvesting. Please use us, O oh Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, the call of the mission. As I think about Harvest and this call for each one of us to the mission, uh, I think about what questions I ask myself each day. And I, you know, honestly, we're asking ourselves questions every day and they might be not conscious, just subconsciously we're asking ourselves questions. Uh, One of the questions, quite frankly, is what's the most important thing to me today? And uh, so often, us humans, ah, we struggle with the most important thing to me, honestly, is my will be done. Push come to shove, it's what's going through our mind, in the background, and we're living my will be done. And so it's, it's very important for us to recognize what's going on, because those questions influence our motives and our desires. And so what kind of questions do we ask ourselves each day? And uh, I would like to encourage you, in light of God's word in this call to mission, uh, that we reflect on this and we more intentionally ask ourselves when we start the day, how does God want to use me for his kingdom? What kingdom work is before me today? And then as we go throughout the day, in some way, remind ourselves to ask the question, how might God want to use me in this situation that I find myself right now? How would God want to use me? The questions we ask are, are important in order to answer this call of mission to the harvest. Uh, we easily forget. We easily forget. Uh, we do need to be gracious Uh, with ourselves and others and not beat ourselves up. And at the same time, we need to challenge ourselves to press on in this call to mission. Uh, Secondly, the risk of mission. So the call to mission, the risk of mission. Uh, Now, before uh, the risk, uh, verse 9, what's the message of the mission? The message is the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God, God's rule over this world, and now God's rule in light of Jesus Christ. And the uh, fact of the matter is, you got you to follow the rules of the kingdom. There are consequences whether you believe it or not. Now, as a teacher, I have the kingdom of the classroom and I tell my students that I am a benevolent dictator. Now, the point isn't to be a stinker. The point is simply to say this isn't a democracy. I call the shots, and by the way, I'm also a nice guy. Okay, a benevolent dictator. Uh, However, whether a student agrees with me or not, whether a student thinks this is fair or not, if they get out their phone and start to text in class, I will walk over and, oh, oh friend, oh my, and benevolently benevolently remove the phone from their hands and take it and turn it into the office, whether they like it or not. Uh, If a student refuses to do work in the kingdom of my classroom, like just refuses to do work, they they fail the class. I'm sure, you're wondering after teaching at Timothy for 24 years, how many times this has happened? <clears throat> Only once. And it was the first or second year of my teaching. I still shake my head at what was going on in the mind of that lad. Uh, rest assured, nobody from Faith Church. Of course not. <laughs> so the the point here is, you know, we all have our little kingdoms, and I got my kingdom of the classroom, and I have a certain order to the kingdom of the classroom. Now, even more importantly, Almighty God exists. Almighty God is the creator, and not only did God create, he has a created order to his creation. It's just the way things are. Whether people believe in God or not. That's why it's so important that kingdom people proclaim the news that the kingdom of God is near. I'll tell you one fundamental truth of God's kingdom. Fundamental truth. This is the truth that the prophets of old were looking toward. The fundamental truth, I say this with humility, and I say this only because God has burned my heart and and most of your hearts with this as well. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Whether people believe it or not, we proclaim that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Therefore, since this is a fundamental truth of God's kingdom, we are called in, in word and reflection, indeed, to, to say the kingdom of God, it's centered on Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, that's the message. The, this point, to come back to it, is the risk of the mission. The risk of the mission. And Jesus says to his 72, 70, 72 that go out, essentially, there will be some that accept you because the harvest is plentiful. Some that accept you and accept the message. However, there will be some that reject you because this is the message you are proclaiming. And we know that this rejection can be anywhere between ignoring you, mildly frustrated, ticked off, or openly hostile. The message of Jesus divides because it is truth in God's kingdom. And we need to recognize the risk of the mission. The fear of non acceptance should not stop us in being harvest workers, should not prohibit our call to the mission, the fear of non of, of acceptance. Of course, we should be winsome, we should be kind, we should seek to be understanding, we need to listen to others. Really hear people, show that we care, and at the same time, boldly proclaim Jesus. And when we do, this involves the risk of the mission. And last, the response to the mission. The response to the mission. So Jesus sends out the 72. They go into the towns ahead of Jesus. Now think about that. Jesus has a full schedule because Jesus is now going to visit these towns after them. So they go out, they come back, and, okay, the high five wasn't invented yet, I don't think. However, kind of they were doing that, okay? Yeah, they're talking to each other, like, what happened? What happened? What happened? And they are excited. How does the Bible explain this? It says, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. There was success in the harvest. And then Jesus even acknowledges this success. Uh, Verses 18 and 19, Jesus speaks of the defeat of Satan And he also speaks of the protection of his people and acknowledges the wonderful advance of God's kingdom. All good. And then Jesus says something profound. Obviously should not surprise us. Very important for us in kingdom work what Jesus says next. And to be honest with you, in all of my thinking about mission, I I came across this verse, and I stopped. It's like, wow. And then I thought, okay, I'm writing a sermon on this and going to faith church. This This is just how it happened. So verse 20, verse 20, Jesus says, however... Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Remember the first song that we sang today? I am a child of God. It's fine to rejoice in many things, but we need to remember that our true joy, the foundation of our joy, and Jesus is saying this, the foundation of your joy is that you belong to God, that you are a child of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must never, ever forget that. Results don't define us. Jesus does. That's part of the reason why this that Jesus says this is so profound and so important for us. Results do not define us, Jesus does. What drives us forward in life, what drives us forward in the mission is not answered prayer or results in ministry, it's that we belong to God through Jesus Christ. Now, thank God for when prayers are answered and rejoice, When there is ministry success, amen, celebrate, that's wonderful, but we must come back to the foundation of our joy, and that is who do we belong to? That should be our greatest joy. When uh, my wife and I told people about our transition uh, to Thailand, I still remember the Wednesday morning, I told the teachers that probably was the time where uh, I had my heart beating the fastest and the pit deepest in my stomach, because I hadn't really told anybody yet. They were the first, and the students were the next day, and that was, that was hard. And um, I shared this, and afterwards, and since then afterwards, I have been so encouraged by a combination of of sadness and support. It has been wonderful. People saying across the board, we don't want you to leave, but we see why you are the mission. And I have heard a word I've never heard so much in my life, and the word is, how exciting. Like, if somebody says it to me, they just say it once. I'm just telling you, I have never heard the word excitement so much in my life to date. Now, I'm not knocking the word excitement. It's a great word. And right after the service, if you see me out there and you say how exciting, I am not going to reply, you fell asleep during the sermon, didn't even listen to me. Come on, no excitement. No, no. My point is not to knock excitement. But here's what happened. I began to hear excitement so much that it made me think about mission, and it just made me think more deeply about what I was doing. So actually, I guess I was thankful for hearing that word so much. It made me reflect more. And as I reflected, it helped helped purify, actually, my focus. And uh, while this appears exciting, um, honestly, my wife and I are doing this out of obedience, not out of excitement. We honestly feel this is God's next step for us, and to be faithful disciples of Jesus, we need to obey Jesus. And here, here it is. Uh, last weekend, uh, I had the wonderful opportunity. They, they flew me out to Thailand for the weekend. That's interesting to go to the other side of the world for a weekend. Um, If you'd like little hints on reducing jet lag, I got them. And I, I actually felt oddly very good the whole trip and when I got back. Thank the Lord for that. But the reason why I bring this up, was it exciting to go? Yes. While I was there, did I begin to realize some of the ways in which this will be hard. Yes, I did more clearly when I was there than just thinking about them here. I thought, wow, that's going to be kind of hard. And so there's this excitement and this hardness, but really it comes back to, I am not my own. I am the Lord's. I belong to him. And in that truth, I have confidence To step forward. And in that truth, you have confidence to step forward in life as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. So what do we rejoice in and how do we live each day? It it simply begins with a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. And this morning, we saw two high school girls stand up in front of church, probably not their first pick, but they said, this is important enough, so I'm going to do this. They stood up in front of church and, and confirmed publicly what God had already worked in their hearts and lives, confirmed publicly, yes, I am committed to Jesus Christ And to answer the call to the mission, it begins with that commitment to Jesus Christ. And then next, as you're committed to Jesus Christ and the Spirit works in your heart, your desires begin to shift and change according to God's desires for you. And as your desires change to serve Jesus, then you take action. You take action to the call. And that action... Every day, that action can be a rightly timed word of encouragement. The moment when somebody needs a helping hand and they, the person who gets the help goes, why did they do that? Or how did they do that with such joy? The action is saying a word of encouragement to somebody who desperately needs it. The action is to be bold and to speak of Jesus to somebody who desperately needs Jesus in their lives. One of the reason, other reasons why I thought about this sermon and mission is because I found myself constantly looking in the future, like, oh, when I do this, when I do this, make these to do this. And God reminded me, okay, fine, but guess what? Right now, tomorrow, this week, is the mission. It doesn't have to be some grand plan. It's in life, we are called to mission. So, tomorrow, tomorrow, how are you going to be a person on mission? How are you going to do that? Uh, so, uh, To close, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. Kids, education, a rhetorical question means you don't need to raise your hand, okay? So the rhetorical question is, this past week, as you reflect upon your life, were there times in which you forgot God's presence and you weren't living with a sense of mission for Jesus? Were there times? Okay, now, if I did have you raise your hands, honestly, we would all raise our hands. So the question is, how can we more consistently live with a sense of God's presence and with a sense of mission? Okay, and here are just three simple things. Uh, number one, go to church. Yay, you got the first one. This is good. Uh, Lots of things happen. We gather as community to worship. I, I won't go into all of that, but I will say this. As humans, we are weak. We need the encouragement of one another. And we, need, we just need messages from God's word to remind us because we forget. And I just pray that God would use his word today in your life to re-energize you for the week ahead to live in mission. To go to church. Secondly, uh, and this is uh, you know obvious, uh, but da- being committed to daily, not just reading God's word, but feeding on God's word daily, this helps with your kingdom perspective. And then third, when it comes to prayer, uh, we should have a prayer time. There's lots could be said, but I want to say this specifically. Uh, how can you have targeted times of prayer throughout the day? Like many of you already might have a prayer time, and then maybe you say a, a prayer uh, before each meal, right? So how could you maybe add a sentence into that prayer that just refocuses you on the mission that God has called you to? And maybe there's other times. For me, uh, I've said this before, I'm, a, I'm a, like a, a to-do list guy. And after class, I come back to my office, and I'm thinking, oh, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? What do I need to do? And God has just challenged me that when I come back to my office, even if it's just a minute or two, just sit there, pray, say, Lord, guide me, use me. I'm on mission for you. And so I don't know what that looks like for your own life, but what are times throughout the day that you can, even if it's a minute or two prayer, where you're just being brought back to that you live in the presence of God and he wants to use you to do his kingdom work in this world. Here's how this passage ends. Here's how the sermon ends. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Friends, you have heard the message of Jesus. You are blessed Now go, serve Jesus in the world. Let's pray. Strong and powerful God, we are so thankful that in your infinite love and wisdom, You have provided salvation for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have provided reconciliation in our relationship with you, almighty God. And we are eternally grateful that we are called your children, that we belong to you. And we are thankful for the days that you have blessed us with, the time that you have blessed us with. And how you have charged it with meaning and so now we ask that each one of us would be committed to Jesus and that each one of us would be committed to the mission that you have called us to we are weak you are strong fill us a fresh Holy Spirit to do your work And it is in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Amen.